Welcome to an abiding thought. Uh, recently, as I was preparing for this uh, devotional, I was thinking of along a couple of lines. One, what is it that you should expect from your worship service? And two, um, how what what does it mean to be a word-based church? I mean, both of those thoughts kind of came together. And then I thought about something, uh, a description that the Apostle Paul gives to the church at Thessalonica. He says that they are church uh, from whom the word of God sounds forth. And I like that, the, uh, that the word of God sounds forth. So they are known, what we would call today, as a word-based church, that the word of God sounded forth from them. And I don't think that's just a description of their corporate worship service. I think it's both descriptive of the service as well as the impact. Uh, in other words, they, they seem to be a church that's grounded in the word of God. Uh, his second letter addresses some challenges in that area, but they, they seem to be really grounded in the word of God. So as I was thinking about that, I was just wondering how 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 would we characterize our worship service uh, as being based in the, in, the, in the Word of God or being grounded in God's Word? And so I thought of three things. Uh, one, I was thinking in terms of Paul's statement in Colossians chapter 3, where he says, May the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. So three things that I think are characteristic of being Word-based. One, uh, a word-based church or a church where the Word of God sounds forth is one that's committed to the exposition of God's Word along two lines. Explaining God's law as the guiding and governing force for human living. In other words, opening up God's law and establishing His law as the governing and guiding force for all of human conduct. I say that because um, oftentimes, and this is why we need to safeguard uh, the sacred space of public worship, so that when we come into God's presence, we it is transcendent, it's other. And the reason I say that is because if we don't safeguard that space, there are any number of sources that will tell you how you ought to live, uh, that govern our, our thoughts towards ourselves and towards our neighbors. Our news sources, our social media sources are trying to govern and guide our way of thinking. So when we come into the sacred assembly, here's what sets us apart. We come into the sacred assembly and God himself speaks to us and he speaks to us through his the expounding of his law because human behavior is to be governed by God's law. That's really what it is. It's the law essentially is the oughtness of human conduct in terms of our thoughts, in terms of our words, and our deeds. It's only as our minds have been tethered to the law of God in terms of what we ought to be and ought to do that we are able to offer sound judgment in the world in which we live. If we reverse that, if we allow other sources to guide our thinking and to guide our actions or to govern our actions, 
then we will justify treatment of others or our view of others according to an artificial standard rather than the standard of God's word. So I think part of what makes for a healthy, sacred encounter for the covenant people of God is when we come into the presence of, of our almighty God for the purpose of worship and his law is explained to us and that governs and guides our thinking, our words, our conduct, and then every other engagement outside of the covenant community is to be governed by God's overarching law. I think that's what Peter means in the book of Acts where he says we must obey God rather than man. When they were told to not do everything you want to do, but just don't teach in the name of Jesus. And it's at that point that Peter says, no, we must obey God rather than man. So I think that's one thing, the expounding of God's law so that we see it as the governing, guiding force and principle for all of human conduct. But not only does God's word, uh, a word-based church, expound and explain God's law, but also it offers his word of comfort, So, which means the gospel. So it's a, a proper delineating and exposition of God's law, what we ought to be, and God's grace or his gospel, the message of salvation. And in the message of the gospel, sinners who are saved by grace, uh, sinners, regenerate sinners, should be reminded of their sins through the law, and then they should be reminded of God's acceptance of them. There should be an announcement of God's forgiveness they should be pointed to the person and work of Christ because as the law is open, what should be revealed is how far we are from it. But our encouragement to continue to strive is the knowledge of what God has given us in His in, in Christ. So both our, our, our Savior and our salvation is what's announced in the gospel. Every time we come into the sacred assembly for the purpose of, of public worship, we should be reminded that we are loved. We are loved by an everlasting God with an everlasting love. We are forgiven. We are pardoned. And that message of grace is what empowers us. It empowers us to go back and be and do what we need to be and do in the places in which God has called us. It is the grace of God that teaches us to say no to all unrighteousness. So I think a word-based church, a word-based public gathering or sacred assembly is where the law of God is rightly handled and the gospel of God is fully and, and, and clearly announced, delineated. God doesn't reward us because of, with, with righteousness, or he does not reward us because of our righteousness. He grants us his grace, and that's what empowers us. That's what enables us to seek to do his will. But another thing, and this is uh, to go back to, to Paul's statement in Colossians 3.16, where he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Then he says, singing. So I think a healthy word-based public sacred assembly includes singing that's not geared just towards entertaining or moving us emotionally 
but singing that seeks to to give God his worth because that's what worship is rendering one uh, the, the worthiness that is due to one and so in our singing our singing should be a reflection of either God's attributes themselves that he is good that he is gracious that he is all-powerful or his gift of salvation in Christ our singing should be aimed it should it, it should seek to speak in light of God's grace in Christ so therefore I think that when we come together we're not and we sing and we are sung too it should be some aspect of God's truth and God's grace being washed washing over us as we hear these words whatever those songs are and, and for that reason by the way that means just because it's in our hymnals doesn't mean we have to sing it. Just because it has a catchy tune, and just because it stirs us and brings back old memories, that doesn't mean that it's worth singing. Gospel singing or Christian singing should be based on what God has revealed about himself and his salvation and primarily about his grace in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so there is a doctrinal element to Christian singing. And I think uh, the word goes forth or sounds forth as not only as, as the preacher expounds the word of God, rightly dividing law and gospel, clearly articulating what God has required of us in his law, which defines us and drives us and reminding us by his grace, by the exposition of the gospel, that what God has required of us has been met in Christ, and so now being recreated in him, we can seek to do the will of God. But then our hearts are also refreshed as the word is sung, as we hear songs that, are, that remind us of the kingdom to which we are headed, the work that God has done in, our, in the person of Christ for our salvation, and the indwelling spirit connects us to that truth. And that sometimes speaks necessary comfort to us in our most dire moments. But there's a third thing that, that Paul uh, kind of alludes to in Colossians 3.16, where he says, admonishing and teaching one another. And I take that to mean not just in the uh, public proclamation of the word by the minister, and not just the singing, uh, the congregational singing or Christian singing, but I think our personal engagements, when we speak to one another, when we greet one another, when we take the time in our sacred assemblies to get get in, uh, get to worship early enough to go and show your face to someone and speak to someone that you don't ordinarily speak to, listen to one another, and then not just getting there early, but lingering late. Uh, there was a, a preacher, I remember hearing this when I was growing up and go to different worship services, and I remember a preacher using this phrase, and he used it over and over again. He talked about the afterglow of the benediction, and I love that phrase, because when the worship service is over, there's nothing that I love to see more than the people collapsing in the pews instead of darting for the door. And sometimes, look, I know we have to leave. We have other things to do. But it's a, it's a beautiful scene when people cross the pews to go over to one another and greet one another. That doesn't mean that we're speaking Bible verses to each other. But what should happen 
is that we are speaking to one another in that moment in light of the truth that is washed over us in great gospel singing that has penetrated our hearts through the ministry of the word itself so that we are speaking and listening to one another and being able to make points of contact even if the conversation doesn't take place on the spot right then, right there. We're opening the door of opportunity to be a source of encouragement and edifying for our brothers to whom, brothers and sisters to whom we are united by faith. In other words, the ministry of the word, the public ministry of the word equips believers to be able to speak in light of that truth to one another as we hear about one another's week or as we hear about what's going on in the lives of others, as we come and we collapse in the pews together and to, to, to discuss people that we've not seen, names that are on our prayer list, because essentially that's what we are. We are a people who have been recreated in the image of Christ through the ministry of the word. And the word is our lifeline. So here's my abiding thought. The next time you go to public worship, listen. Listen to hear God's commands and listen to hear God's grace. Listen to hear your brothers and sisters singing God's grace to you as the hymns are sung. And then use that as an opportunity that when you listen to the words and the experiences of your brothers and sisters of like faith, that you're able to answer them and speak to them and speak to their situation in light of the word that is washed over us. I don't think what Paul says about the church at Thessalonica should only be uh, descriptive of the church of Thessalonica. I think that's what should be true of every church, wherever the people of God call upon the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What's true of us and what makes us truly Christian and what makes us unique in this world is that the word of God sounds forth from us. His word of grace, his word of comfort, and his word of care. Thank you.